Um, so I just apologize in advance. I've got a bit of a sore throat. So I might have to clear my throat a few times, but I've got my Jakemans here. So hopefully they'll do the trick. So yeah, is everyone okay? Yeah, good. So as you know, we've been going through this uh, season of slowing down. If you're new here for the first time, we've been going through a time of slowing down. Um, so today I'm going to be carrying on with that theme, and I'm going to be talking about rest and Sabbath. So, so we know that we are physical and spiritual beings, you know, the physical bit that we can see with our eyes, and we just call the spiritual bit the bit that is unseen. And I think it's important that we remember this when we think about rest and Sabbath, because um, sometimes as Christians we can um, fall into the trap of just being solely focused on the spiritual, and we can forget that the physical can have an impact on the, on the spiritual side. Um, an example is when, um, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he got crucified, or just before he got arrested and crucified, he was uh, spending some time praying. And he wanted the disciples to pray with him. And he was like, come on, guys, come on, guys, I need you to pray with me. And he'd go, go away to his uh, corner and pray. And he'd come back and he'd find them asleep and he'd be like, guys, come on, wake up, I need you to pray with me. And he'd go away again and he'd spend some time praying and he'd come back and find them asleep again. So uh, the disciples should have been praying, but they were sleeping instead. So the physical, their tiredness, became a barrier to the spiritual, which uh, was prayer in that instance. Uh, has anyone ever experienced that? Yeah. yeah. You know, like when, you, when you're at a, a prayer meeting and you, maybe you're lying down with your eyes closed and people are walking past you like, wow, that person's in the spirit. And little do they know you've nodded off and you've <laughs> fallen asleep. Uh, for me, like sometimes, you know, I've come to read my Bible at night and, um, you know, my head starts getting slowly closer and closer to my Bible and then it ends up becoming a pillow. And it's actually a really good, comfortable pillow. But... Um, yeah, so Jesus said that the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So um, what I'm going to be talking about today is rest and the importance of making sure our body is rested, available, and prepared to be able to do what the spirit wants to do. So we're going to explore slowing down to rest physically and slowing down to rest spiritually. So how do we rest uh, physically? So for me, when I get home from work or church or anywhere else, um, I need like my two hours of downtime. Um, Toilet can testify to this. I get home and I just need like two hours. No matter what time I get home, I need like at least two hours to just sit there and kind of just do nothing and just rest my mind. I might watch TV or something and then I can go to sleep. Did everyone enjoy their extra hour of sleep, by the way? Yeah. Nobody woke up. And thought, yeah, no, great. <laughs> yeah, so some people um, get too much sleep, probably like Sasha just said, she woke up at one. Um, the Bible says a little slumber, a little sleep, a little slumber, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. Sorry, Sasha. <laughs> and some people don't get enough sleep, and statistics say this affects quite a lot of us in, the, in our society today. Now, of course, sleep is one of the main um, ways we rest physically. And sleep is a gift from God. Psalm uh, 127 verse 2 says, In vain you rise up 
You rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sleep is given to us to enjoy. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12 says, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. So we see sleep is a gift from God that he's given to us to enjoy. Sleep is so important that um, when God created this earth, you know, he, he like spun the earth into rotation. He put the, star, uh, the sun and the moon there, you know, to give us a period of daytime where we could work and do stuff and a period of nighttime where we could rest and sleep. You know, some people find it really hard to sleep when it's, um, unless it's dark and God has given us that in his creation to help us sleep. You know, experts recommend that we need um, about eight hours of sleep as an adult. So for me, I work nine to five, um, so I spend about eight hours at work. Um, Toilet's laughing at me because, yeah, she spends a lot more time at work than I do anyway. Uh, so I spend about eight hours at work. If I spend eight hours sleeping, that leaves me with eight whole hours to do everything else. And eight, eight hours is quite a lot of time. Now, for some of you, you might work longer hours than me, like Toella. For some of you, like maybe Sasha, you might work less time than less hours than me. <laughs> um, but I guess whatever, whatever the amount of free time you have, I guess the question I have is how can you use it most effectively to prevent it creeping into your sleep time? So for me, one of the issues I have is, is I, I don't plan my day too great sometimes. So perhaps some days I might come to connect straight from work and I have nothing to eat and then I get home at about 10 and I'm starting to try and find food and then after I find food I need my two hours of, of settle down time and that ends up stealing some of my sleep time. Now for you it might be something else um, but I think what I say is let's be aware of how we use our free time and not let it creep into our sleep time. You know sometimes we can end up in a pattern where we get a little sleep on the weekdays you know, work is busy and your evenings are busy and you end up getting very little sleep during the week and you think, okay, I'll, I'll just make up for it on the weekend. Um, but like we saw with the disciples, you know, your tiredness can affect your spirituality and we don't want to be going through the whole week just tired as zombies and then when the weekend comes, we're like, yay, we're awake now and you've wasted five days of the week, you know, just, just tired in yourself. Or as a student, you might spend the whole semester, you know, just living life, enjoying yourself and when exam season comes, you can't afford to sleep because you know nothing and you need to just, <laughs> just cram everything in. I remember doing this as a student, you know, and, and praying to God at night saying, God, please make this two hours of sleep. I'm about to get feel like eight hours of sleep. It wasn't great. Yeah. So let's be aware of how we use our free time and not let it creep into our sleep time. And now apart from not setting aside uh, enough time for sleep, we see that some lifestyle choices can cause us to have poor sleep or no sleep. So we read in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12 that the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Let's turn to the chapter and read from verse 10. Ignore that. So 5 verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough money. 
Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. So here we see a person who is consumed by building wealth. You know, uh, don't get me wrong, being wealthy is a good thing, it's fine. But here we see somebody who's consumed by it, perhaps a workaholic. You know, they go to work, they come back from work, do a little bit of work from home. When they rest from work, they're thinking about work, they go to bed and they dream about work, and then they wake up in the morning and the cycle just goes on and on again. And they don't give themselves time to switch off so that even when they sleep, the sleep is poor. Going back to exam cramming season, you know, you, you spend a whole day revising, I remember doing this, and then you go to sleep, and the sleep is just so, so bad. And you can't let your, your, your mind switch off, and you've got an exam in the morning tomorrow, and you, you really struggle to sleep because you're there thinking about the exam. You know, things like worry, anxiety, stress, they cause poor sleep, but they're, they're avoidable. You know, Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 6, He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Jesus gave us the perfect example of this. You know, the story we we read when he was on a boat um, with his disciples, and it was a vicious storm. And everybody was panicking. Everybody was going crazy. Ah, we're going to die. This storm, who can, who can survive? But Jesus didn't let it affect his sleep. He was there sleeping, resting, while everybody was panicking. He didn't get anxious. He didn't get scared. He didn't, he didn't let it steal his sleep. And then when he woke up, he just prayed, like Paul encourages us to, with prayer and petition. He just prayed and he caused it to stop. And it stopped. And so I want to say, if anybody's struggling with sleep, um, I just, we're going to have a time at the end where we can pray for you. Um, so if you just want to come to one of the leaders, we'll spend some time praying with you. And hopefully you can fix this because, like, like we read, God gives sleep to those he loves. And we want God to give us, every single one of us, a good night's sleep. No anxiety that affects our sleep. No fear that, ex- that, that affects our sleep. And so in summary, God gives us this gift of of sleep to be enjoyed daily, to refresh us, to enable us to be at our best physically and spiritually each day. Okay. And so in addition to the daily rest of sleep, um, we also see a weekly rest in the Bible, with that being the Sabbath day. Um, Let's turn to Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. Chapter 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So this passage is the basis um, for the Sabbath day because God rested on the seventh day. The word rested in the passage is the word Sabbath, and Sabbath just means to stop. And so the, na- the seventh day got the name Sab- the Sabbath day because God stopped on that day. He stopped his work of creation. But we don't really hear much about it after this passage or, or within this passage about what the implications for man were. And as we carry on reading the rest of the book of Genesis, we don't really hear much about it. I don't know what their traditions were. You, you might have to do some extra reading to find that out. Um, but we don't hear much about it until we get to the time of Moses in Exodus. Uh, so let's turn to Exodus 16:21. And so just to give a bit of background, um, this was um, about two months after the Israelites had come out of uh, slavery in Egypt. So they'd come out of Egypt, and it had been two months, a lot, two months down the line. And some people started complaining about food. They started reminiscing that they, they had some good food in Egypt, and they were wandering around in this desert, hungry and starving, and they were like, Moses, why have you brought us out here to die? Uh, and then they prayed to God, and God started giving them this uh, thing called manna, which was bread from heaven. So that's what we pick up in verse 21. It says, Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. <coughs> On the sixth day, they gathered, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you bake and boil what you boil, boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until the morning. So they saved it until the morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. All the other days of the week, they had to essentially get the manna, prepare it for that day. If they kept any to the next day, it just went all rotten, so they couldn't keep it. But on the sixth day, God allowed them to keep it to the next day. So in 25, it says, Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. So we, hear, we see here that God gave them um, a pattern after what he did in creation. You know, God spent six days creating the world and then he rested on the, on, on the seventh day. And then God gave them this same pattern here. And God gave them a pretty good deal. You know, he gave them um, twice the amount of food on the, on the sixth day um, so that they could actually properly rest. They didn't have to worry about going out and getting any food on the seventh day. They could actually have a proper rest. And so... Um, they did all their food preparations on the sixth day, uh, and the preparations involved going out, getting the manna. It was in like a seed form, and then they had to crush it into a powder uh, or a flour, and then they would bake it into cakes or boil it. Um, but they did all of this on the sixth day, and then on the seventh day, all they had to do was just relax, 
and eat. So it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And then after this event, the Sabbath day made its way into the law of Moses. It made the Ten Commandments. And then several other laws were added in, relate, uh, in relation to what you could and could not do on the Sabbath day. And as the years went on, loads of traditions grew of things that you would and would not do on the Sabbath day. And then when we get to Jesus' time, um, we have the Pharisees, you know, the lawyers. They were very zealous for the law, and they were essentially the Sabbath police. So um, they, had, they made a huge emphasis on all these additional uh, related laws. Uh, if somebody broke them, the punishment was death, which was what Moses said in, his, in the law of Moses. And it was one of the reasons why they kept pursuing to kill Jesus. You know, they were like, ah, you broke the Sabbath. When Jesus would heal somebody on the Sabbath, they were so um, religious in their laws. They were like, ah, you've done work on the Sabbath. We, 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 we want to kill you. Um, we find one of these laws, uh, one of these additional laws in Exodus 35, verse 2 to 3. Um, So verse 2 says, For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be a Sabbath, uh, shall be... Uh, your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings in the Sabbath. Very strange rule. And I've got a video about this, which uh, I found interesting anyway. Some of the slowest elevators in the world can be found in hotels on Miami Beach. Yeah, Technology. Some of the slowest elevators in the world can be found in hotels on Miami Beach. We have uh, Orthodox Jewish people coming here for the season, for all year round. So the question is, how do people get to their homes, get to their rooms on the Sabbath if you're on a high floor? Sleeping in the lobby is not a solution. The problem is, for observant Jews, it is forbidden to ride an elevator on the Sabbath. The, the Bible simply says we do not make a fire on the Sabbath. When you push the button and create electricity, you're creating a fire. The door opens, there's all types of electricity, all types of, of labors are being done, and therefore that would be forbidden on the Sabbath. The other problem is the electric eye in the elevator door. The electric eye detects your presence, opens those doors again. Uh-oh, your body has opened those doors. If we interfere with the electric eye, it's just as bad as pushing a button. So the rabbis, together with technology and science, will come up with a solution where they create the Sabbath elevator where there's no need to push any buttons. We do have a Shabbat elevator for our, for our Jewish customer. Our maintenance staff, typically around 5.30 in the evening, before the sun will set, will key the elevator where it goes straight to the rooftop up to 17, and then we'll stop on every floor on the way down until it hits actually the basement level. Going up, the Shabbat elevator is an express to the penthouse. We're going to be singing um, Shabbat songs, especially if we're alone together in the elevator. It goes quick. quick. It does, yes. The penthouse goes quickly. Coming down, the elevator takes about seven minutes, stopping at every floor.
It could take seven minutes for the elevator to arrive. Not bad, perhaps, on a day of rest. The day is a more relaxing day, so we're not, no appointments, doctors are running with the kids. It's, you know, everyone's walking and it's a relaxed day, so we have time. It's good we have Shabbos elevator. It helps a lot um, with kids. For those who live by ancient law, modern life can be a challenge. But elevators make modern life possible, and the Shabbat elevator is proof that people will always find ways to use them. Here we are in the lobby, we're going to get out. Six seconds to get out, not to break the circuit. Here we are. Automatic. Cool. So, this is an example of completely missing the point. And this is what the Pharisees did. You know, they blindly followed rules instead of understanding God's heart behind the rules. And Jesus often challenged them and argued with them about this. For example, in Matthew um, 12, verse 5, he said, Haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? You know, in the Old Testament, the priests didn't actually rest from their duties on the Sabbath. They carried on working in the temple. They lit fires on the Sabbath because they had to light the lamps in the temple, and they had to light the altars for the sacrifices. In fact, they had to do extra work on the Sabbath day because they had, in addition to the daily sacrifices that they would do every day, they had additional Sabbath sacrifices that they would have to do. And now we know from historical uh, sources that the priests had rotors, so it wasn't like um, these couple sets of priests worked 365 days a year. But there were always some priests on duty on the Sabbath day. And this really reflects what the true goal of the Sabbath was. It wasn't necessarily about physical rest. It was more about resting in God. It was about God's presence. In Exodus uh, 33, verse 14, we, 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 we hear God say, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And this kind of rest is a kind of spiritual rest, not necessarily a physical rest. And all the laws around physical rest, around stopping on the Sabbath day, um, were all really about trying to take away all these kind of distractions in order to make space, give you, uh, give you the ability to make space for God's presence on that day. Because, you know, work can be a distraction. Having a to-do list for your day can be a distraction. Having an agenda for the day can be a distraction. You know, on days where we have to go to work, you know, uh, you kind of have to try and slot God in. You might try and spend time with God on your journey to work, but then you have to work. Uh, and then you might be able to uh, spend some time with God on your lunch break, but then after that you have to work again. And then you maybe you might have some time in the evening, but then you have to get ready for work the next day. But when you Sabbath, you don't have to worry about any of these kind of things. You don't have to worry about um, having an agenda. You can let God set the agenda for the day. You know, you can come to God and say, God, I'm setting aside this day for your presence. What do you want me to do? So a couple of weeks ago, I set aside a day to Sabbath. Um, it was really cool. I woke up in the morning, just went downstairs into our office, got my laptop, turned it on, put on some worship music, got my Bible, and just spent the day worshiping and reading. No interruptions, no distractions, didn't have to think about mowing the lawn, which I still need to do. Didn't have to think about going food shopping or, or cleaning the house or anything. And it was just a nice time of getting rid of all the normal distractions that we have in our life to set aside a day to spend time with God. And for you, it could look different. You could spend a day praying. You could spend a day 
uh, studying the Bible with other Christians. You could go for prayer walks, prayer runs. Um, you could walk around Manchester just randomly looking for people to preach the gospel to. You know, for Paul and Jesus, the Sabbath looked like going to the synagogue to teach people. It can look like anything as long as the agenda for the day is God's presence. So you can Sabbath on any day of the week. Uh, you know, Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 16, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, a Sabbath day. You know, we don't have to follow any kind of special calendars, but we can apply the principles of Sabbath any time, any day of the week, any day we want to. And so you can do this as frequently as you want. You know, you can spend two days if you've got enough time. Um, if you've never done it before, maybe you can try it once a month. Um, if you've got a very busy work schedule, maybe you can take time booking a day off. Uh, take one of your annual leaves and, and just use that to try and Sabbath. Tyler's laughing. <laughs> but yeah, I really just encourage you to give it a time because it, it, what I found is it's, it's great that we, that we spend time with God during the week and, and we should expect to do that and that's normal when we're working. And we set aside time from our busy schedules to spend time with God. But um, how I feel sometimes, it, it can feel a bit like we're multitasking. So we, you know, we have a God time over here and we have the work time or whatever time over here. And I think, think the Sabbath is just a really cool principle to be able to just be free uh, and spend time with God and not think, oh, uh, in 20 minutes I have to stop because I need to do this or in half an hour I need to stop because I need to do this and that. So I really encourage us to give it a try if we can. That's great. Yeah, so to summarize, let's prioritize daily rest and Sabbath for a kind of spiritual rest. And just a reminder again, if anybody's struggling with sleep, um, just Come to one of the leaders and we'll spend some time praying with you.